You might hear talking chimpanzees, Parker quarterbacks, Matt Blitz out his interviews, Bobby roaring fast. You and me, we're here for this to catch the latest show. Kingdom Fathom Superflex, come on in, let's go. Hey y'all, prepare yourself for the Superflex Pod. Welcome to another episode of Zuperflex. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. Matt, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. Excited to be back on the mic with you guys. Uh, it's been a while. And excited to have another podcast with our guest tonight. I think I've only done one, maybe two, with John. So excited to have him. As Matt just alluded to, our guest tonight is John Hogue. I've had the pleasure of podcasting with John multiple times. Some people may not remember this, but I did a uh, live stream during the NFL draft with John and his crew, and I got very visibly upset about the Giants drafting Daniel Jones on live (laughs) air. Uh, I think it's recorded somewhere still on YouTube if you really want to go check it out, but I am very happy to have John join us. He is a fellow writer like Matt at Dynasty League Football, he is the co-host of the well-known Superflex show, which is at Superflex show on Twitter. And he is also part of the new FF Mercs, which is at FF Mercs on Twitter. John, how are you doing tonight? Doing awesome. So good to be with you guys. Uh, it's going to be a little awkward when I live tweet uh, a podcast that I'm on, um, but uh, it'll uh, it'll be... It, It'll make me look maybe a little bit uh, bipolar or schizophrenic, but uh, whatever. That that this is that's my favorite thing to do is listen to Zuperflex and just kind of pause every now and then and and tweet out what I'm listening to and what you guys are saying and what I like and um, so I I'm not going to stop just because I'm on here just so everybody knows. I mean, it can't be any worse than I was earlier tonight when I so. We were talking about this before the show started, just to give our listeners a sneak peek. I was uh, very mad about a test that I took in grad school, and I was cursing at myself on the streets of New York City. That's not a good look. If you ever do that, people are definitely going to think that you're a psycho, uh, especially if the Joker movie having just come out. I'm pretty sure people were on high alert, so I should maybe uh, calm myself and not curse so much about a test. I was just pretty upset about it, but it is a nice break from studying and being in school to be able to podcast with you guys. And we have a few quarterbacks that we're going to talk about tonight. There have been a few trades that may impact fantasy values. And I also know you guys both love Aaron Rodgers, So we're going to work that in here somehow. Always, man. I, yeah, every, I'll talk about Aaron Rodgers all day, every day. I think John was the very last holdout of having Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback <laughs> one. Like I, I resisted for about half to three quarters of last of, of last season, and uh, eventually succumbed to the Mahomes love. But uh, you know, I still think I have him higher than most. And then, of course, as soon as John did it, Aaron Rodgers had his biggest game of the season, too. <laughs> and Pat Mahomes gets hurt. Uh, yeah, I finally put Pat Mahomes at one hundred and one, and then yeah, he dislocates his knee of all things, and then yeah. His kneecap, sorry, it's a totally different thing. But still, yeah, I mean, I can't help but feel a little bit responsible. 
Yeah, John, if you could go ahead and just move like Jared Goff and Russell Wilson down for me so that my SFB team can bounce back, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And let's just go ahead and put Jameis Winston at 1.01. <laughs> that that would work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's actually start with, do you guys have anything else you want to say about Aaron Rodgers since we're already on the topic? I mean, if you want to dive into it now, we can. Sure. Uh, no, let's go for it. We're already I, talking about it. I missed the DLF show last week because of some power outage issues. Uh, and I had originally put on the show sheet to talk about buying Aaron Rodgers. And my esteemed co-hosts, uh, they were not very kind kind to me or to Mr. Rodgers. So uh, I, I'm, I'm probably going to bring it up on next week's show, but I might as well bring it up here. Uh, they both called him a sell, which I think is conventional wisdom, you know, based off of a gigantic game. It's probably the best game of the season for him and all that stuff. Uh, and an opportunity to get out. Uh, but I kind of look at it an opposite way, uh, that it's an opportunity to buy because you really weren't I – I mean, I should check the trade finder to be sure, but uh, I, I don't really think anyone was selling necessarily selling that low on Aaron Rodgers like during this time. They've all been waiting for his value to come back a little bit. So this kind of gives an opportunity to buy. Um, one of my biggest contention, I think, in, in selling him is that we've we've been expecting and talking about Brady retiring for – and Breeze too, to be honest, but for you know the last four to five years – and, you know, if you sold cheap back when they were 37 years old, uh, you know, you've cost yourself four to five years of good production in a Superflex league. So uh, I, I just same with guys like Peyton Manning and Drew Brees, you know, and, and I just feel like Rogers is probably on that kind of similar path to me. So if I have a contender and I know that the next three to five years, I'm going to have a quarterback one with these potential for these outburst games. Uh then and I know that I'm a competing team that you know at this point in this season we know next year when our picks are going to be or at least you know kind of kind of close to when our 2020 picks are going to fall. So if I'm a contender, I have no problem sending still my, my two future firsts uh, for Rogers right now in a super flex league. I mean, he did what he did last week with young and basically unproven receivers. He hasn't had Devontae Adams for three games, and he was still able to do that. Uh, you know, he didn't play at all in the preseason. So this the first month of the season, he's still working into the new offense, and now he's finally getting comfortable. Like I, I said, the first three to four games, like he didn't really look comfortable at all, and I was I was concerned as a Packers fan. But now he looks comfortable, and uh, I'm still happy to buy, buy him, man. I, I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I still think too late first is, is a perfect price for Rodgers in a, in a super flex format. John, what do you have to say? And then I just have one thing to say about uh, John Bosch because Matt Price probably just made him very happy, but I will follow <laughs> up after John gives his thoughts on buying Rodgers for two first. Yeah, I mean, so for me, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I did drop him. He was he was 1.01. That probably wasn't going to be sustainable. Um, but I, the thing is, I mean, we just, the reason that he was at 101 for me, the reason he was the number one, player in all the super flex for me is what we just saw. I mean, to me, that was a, it was a fairly effortless performance. You know, he, he get, got you five passing touchdowns plus the rushing touchdown. And, and I mean, it, it wasn't like he was, you know, doing anything spectacular or anything. He just kind of, he just kind of coasts to, to that type of performance. Now he's got in the last four weeks, he's got two top three quarterback finishes. Um, like Matt said, I mean, he, you know, he, he didn't have the preseason. It's a new coach and a new system. They, they also had a really tough schedule to start the season can, you know, at Chicago and then Minnesota and Denver. Um, they still have some tough ones on the schedule, but 
I mean, now I, I think that he's comfortable with that system. Um, the, the receiving core gets, you know, healthier, gets uh, a little bit more experience. And I, I, you know, I just, I just think that this, the, this to me has been the most likely scenario is that he, he's still the guy who's the most capable of this type of performance, you know, in, in any given week. Now I'll, definitely concede that Pat Mahomes is is safer he's got a much higher floor at this point in their careers but I just the just the ceiling of of Aaron Rodgers and how effortlessly he hits that I think is pretty valuable so to me I only I dropped him below Pat Mahomes I dropped him below Deshaun Watson but he's still He's still 1.03 for me. You take him over all those running backs. You take him over the the wide receivers because he still gives you that, you know, for the foreseeable future. You've you've still got probably another two or three years of that. So I, I mean, for me, I would even go so far as to say possibly three firsts, uh, definitely two firsts plus. Well, and- John should stop listening because <laughs> I'm in a 14-team league with John where mm-hmm. I am in somewhat of a rebuild or somewhat of a reload. It's auction. I have the most rookie cash by a healthy amount, and John has been trying to convince me to buy Aaron Rodgers and Alvin Kamara from him. My main quarterbacks right now would be Daniel Jones and Matthew Stafford, and I'm hoping to get one in the 2020 class. But you guys do make a good point. It's just... With my team, I kind of tend towards the younger guy. However, that said, I may have to approach John after this episode before it drops and say, so two of my first for Aaron Rodgers, what do you say? And I bet knowing John, he'll say no because he's John. <laughs> well, John doesn't sell quarterbacks for anything less than like seven first. So uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, listen, uh, John's values are fine, but th- like, you know, you're going to be paying. You're not getting any discount when you play with John. I do think two first, I, I do think two first can get him. And I certainly think three first can get him. I don't know if I would go three first just because I think you can get basically anybody except for maybe the top three to five guys for, for two first. So I don't know if I would go, go that high, but uh I think you could do it pretty easily for two. I think that's also just the thing with John's, by the way, because John, <laughs> our, our guest tonight, would also need like seven first to move Aaron Rodgers or any quarterback. <laughs> so if your name's John, you just overvalue quarterbacks. Yeah, and ba- Bosch and I have talked a lot about this, actually. We're, we're kind of kindred spirits, first of all, on the quarterback strategy. But we also we would really like to start a league at some point that with – you know, him and I and maybe find a, a couple other quarterback hoarders. And then um, some of the people who who like to punt on quarterback, which, Bobby, I think you're kind of right on the verge. We You might you might end up with a with an invitation to that league just because we want to see what happens when you've got four guys hoarding all the quarterbacks and then, you know, eight people who don't care about quarterbacks at all and, and just see what happens. I'm a QB hoarder. I'm not on the same level as you guys, but I definitely hoard quarterbacks. Really? Yep. I do not trade away quarterbacks for cheap. In fact, I've gotten a few offers on uh, Josh Rosen. That was, I think even some of them are still paying like a late first, which might be a good cash out price. 
but I've still been like, nope, I'm just holding. You're holding Josh Rosen for a first. You are a crazy person. <laughs> you are, you are a literal. All right, <laughs> all right, yeah. You you maybe do belong in that league, just like on, but on the on the the John's side, you're you're uh, you have to change your name to John and uh, join that league. Um, but I mean, what are you doing in a startup though? Are you still going like three, four, five deep at quarterback? That's that. I think that's what we're really after is the startup. No, generally I like to draft about three and then call it. Yeah. What about you, Matt? Is that, is that kind of where you're at with it too? Is with three, three is good enough or, uh, do you go heavy? Yeah, I, I think I probably should go more than three, but three is generally where I stop. And in fact, in a lot of cases, depending on how much capital, like in an auctions format, for example, like if I've paid up for one or both of the quarterbacks, then sometimes I'll even just draft draft the two and deal with a bye week issue. And it has bitten me in the past. So the last, last season or two, I've been starting to grab three, but uh, I've seen people grab you know, six, seven, eight of them and, and be, and do really well, like, especially like trading later in the season for, for bigger pieces. So, uh, yeah, it's something I definitely want to try out. Yeah. It's just so hard. Like you have, you have your like three quarterbacks and you're like, I have no running backs and whatever it's your favorite quarterback in that round is still available. You know, it's just hard to, hard to force yourself into a position, uh, that you are already set at for me, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's the hardest part of it is just the psychology behind it. I, I mean, and, and I, I think it's just kind of in general for roster construction, but people kind of look at their rosters in the startup and, and you know, you've got, you've got your quarterback at QB1, you've got your quarterback at Superflex, and then your bench is just loaded with quarterback and you're, there's nothing else in your starting lineup. And it just kind of does induce panic. And it... It, it's it's a really it takes a ton of discipline to do it this way, which is is, is kind of weird though because I, I like in a in a regular one quarterback league I don't mind drafting like eight receivers in a row and you know having not much at, at other positions but for the quarterback position uh, I don't know it's, it feels different I guess yeah I'm very guilty of wanting to come out of a startup or with a starting roster of some sort so when there's like no position limits that definitely throws me off my game yeah. Yeah, and and I mean we're all pretty familiar with value over replacement at quarterback. You know, we we know that there's it's not like you're necessarily getting a, an advantage at quarterback over anybody else by drafting, you know, Aaron Rodgers for instance. When in, you know, in the second or third round, you could get Aaron Rodgers whereas, you know, if you just wait a couple rounds, you could get you know, this this year you probably could have got Dak Prescott. You for sure could have got Lamar Jackson, and and those guys have been objectively better. So, you know, it it makes it really that much harder to sell people on the idea that you go early and heavy at quarterback when they know that they can get as good or better production by waiting for a later pick. It's it's the trade value is is where all of this kind of comes together. You know, so but it's it's hard to look that far ahead. Like when you're building a team in the startup, you're really kind of thinking like this is the roster that I'm taking into the season. And people don't really think nearly as much about the trade value. Yeah, that's true. And I also admittedly coming out of every startup, my goal is to compete that season. I have never gone into a startup thinking I'm not going to compete this season. And I know you can make trades, but it also means I have to find willing trade partners. 
So I much rather just rely on my draft to at least get me a base starting lineup and then figure out trades from there. But I do realize it's a psychological thing. And speaking of how trades and trade values impact our game, I want to talk a little bit about how some trades might have impacted some quarterbacks games. And one of the trades I find the most interesting, at least personally, is Emmanuel Sanders to the 49ers. It felt like to me, and I know I'm going to get yelled at by all the Dante Pettis truthers that still exist and the share of Debo Samuel guys. Hey, now. There. hey, now. <laughs> Sorry. hey now. Hey, now. Hey, hey, hold on a second. <laughs> but, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo got a nice weapon in Emmanuel Sanders and a guy who has had a history of success. He is older. He is on a one-year contract. He's coming off an Achilles injury, but he's performed pretty well when given the opportunity. And I know, uh, John, you're a Broncos fan. It sounded like he had been kind of on the outs with the Broncos front office. So maybe that's why they were using him a little less too. I just read, uh, something about that earlier today. Yeah, it, it kind of stopped making sense for both sides, but um, you know they they sign him to the to the contract extension going into the season. No idea why. Um, I and I I think it might have just been a, a one year contract extension. I think that I, I think that they had an out um, without having it pulled up in front of me, which I should have done before I started talking. But uh, that that's. Uh, not he only, ha- as far as I'm aware, um, he only had one year left on the contract. Yeah, so this was supposed to be his walk year. They extended him, um, in and they extended him like early in uh, 2019 when he was still trying to re- come back from that Achilles rupture. Um, so it was, it was really confusing to a lot of people. It just it didn't make a whole lot of sense to you know, to commit to another year with this 32 year old wide receiver coming off a major injury. Um, and, but I mean, I, I, for some reason, and, and I won't go off on a huge rant here, but I'll, I'm just going to say the front office of the Denver Broncos is completely delusional and they felt like they were going to contend this year. And I have no idea where they got that, but especially when, when, you know, they trade for Joe Flacco um, they in it, it, they came out of free agency with a pretty good defensive haul with Kareem Jackson and Bryce Callahan, but I mean this is this was never going to be a contending team, and Emmanuel Sanders knew that. Um, he he, you know, he took the the extension just to prove that he could come back from the injury, inflate his value again, and and it was kind of the best you know, the, the best parting gift that he could have given the Broncos was to, you know, to recover from that injury, to get on the field and to produce at the level that he did so that they were able to, to trade him away. He was able to go to a good, uh, you know, a better situation where he's going to have a chance to compete. It just, it, it, they're kind of just correcting an oversight here because it, it, in the oversight was that, Emmanuel Sanders belonged on this roster for 2019 at any point. It just, it didn't make any sense then. And they finally had to face the reality that it doesn't make sense now. Well, I think it will help Jimmy Garoppolo. Cause, and I just had to look this up. I didn't know it offhand, but Jimmy Garoppolo for fantasy purposes so far by points per game is a QB 25, which means he's not even quite a quarterback too. Matt, do you think the addition of Emmanuel Sanders will increase his points per game by any chance, or is it just 
another guy that he's going to spread the ball around to, but maybe not see a huge increase in fantasy points. I, I don't know. I, I think it's, I think from Emmanuel Sanders standpoint and, and fantasy standpoint, I think it might be a little bit of a downgrade, honestly, because he was in a situation. Of course the Dante Pettis guy would say. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, this, this team is six and O with a formula of just running the ball and playing defense. He has Jimmy Garoppolo has no touchdowns in two straight weeks and has an interception in both of those weeks. In four of the six games this season, he has zero or one touchdown. Uh, in, in 15 games, the Jimmy G has a starter for San Francisco in total. He has 19 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. So I don't even know if he's good. Like, so I, I just don't know why they would change the formula of being undefeated and the defense scoring more points than the offense the last, last two weeks, you know? Uh, so for Sanders, I think he's going from you know, wide receiver one, two-ish targets to a, a team that's going to spread the ball around uh, in the passing game and then also is just going to run the ball and play defense. So I think it's possible that the situation is a little bit worse for Sanders. I think you can, you, you obviously, I, I, mean, I mean, I guess not, it's not obviously based, based on what I just said about Jimmy G, but I was going to say it's, uh, he's obviously a better quarterback than Flacco, but, you know, you know, maybe he's not based on these numbers. So, uh, I, I I don't know. I I kind of want to stay away from this entire passing offense, except for my continued man crush for for Dante Pettis, who I am still buying super cheap. So if you have him and you want to dump him on me for uh for for a cheap price, let me know. <laughs> John, what's your take on uh, Jimmy Garoppolo? It's it's essentially that. I mean, I I think that Garoppolo is is fine. Um, it, more of a game manager. So you know, for fantasy purposes, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know exactly what we've got with him, but I mean, you know, his, his advanced stats are fine. He's, you know, he's, he's getting a clean pocket. He's making good throws. Um, they're generally catching the ball. It's, it's not a drops problem. It, it's just a volume thing. And this, it's been the game script, you know, and like Matt said, I mean, why would you change that if you don't have to the defense and the running game that's, that's got you to, you know, a, a perfect mark so far. And, and it, I don't see it slowing down. This is to me, this is the best defense in the league. So, you know, you can, you can contend with this. So I, I don't know why you would change it. Even with Emmanuel Sanders there, I don't, I don't think that we're really going to see a whole lot of pass volume. What I've just learned is I'm a delusional Emmanuel Sanders owner who is hoping that this means good things for Emmanuel no, Sanders. I, I mean, I like Sanders a lot. He's a great pro, great receiver, but I just, I don't know. I think it's nice that he's going to have an, another reliable receiver option, but I just think he's not the alpha receiver that's going to take over the target share from George Kittle, right? So he's still going to be second in line no matter what. Uh, and I, I don't know. I just... I, there's the other good part of it i think is the offensive system is is pretty close to identical to what he had in in denver uh, with that shanahan kind of offense style of offense um so that's good that he'll be able to pick that up quickly um but you know we in addition to all of the negatives we talked about we also already know that wide receivers that change team in general don't work out there's obviously exceptions like amari last year but look at what obj has has turned into this season and call it play calling or whatever you want but it's another case of a receiver not uh producing in year one on a new team so uh, i just think there's so many negatives here that if somebody wants to pay me for emmanuel sanders bobby then uh, I'm, I'm happy to listen if you want to send me dante pettis for emmanuel sanders i will take that if i had dante pettis I- I would trade him <laughs> to you for Emmanuel Sanders in a heartbeat. Uh, 
on Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't know that I agree with you guys. And maybe it's just I can't shake the feeling that Kyle Shanahan, yes, I understand. I am totally projecting here. I understand they are winning. They are undefeated. They are running the ball. They're playing defense. He's acting as a game manager. That's for this particular season. Long term, I still think that he can be a good fantasy quarterback. And part of that is because I think Kyle Shanahan is secretly or maybe not so secretly one of those coaches who really wants to be stomping on the throat of their opponent offensively. I think that he's playing winning football and that's great for him. But I have a feeling that he's one of those guys that's like, man, if I could just like drop 30 plus points on my opponents every single week, I would do it even if it means changing up the style of football that I'm playing. And that's just me projecting on Kyle Shanahan. I do not know Kyle Shanahan, obviously. I don't know anyone that knows Kyle Shanahan. That's just the feeling I get from watching some of his interviews and seeing some of the stops he's made on his coaching career. I just think he's always wanted to run the ball and he always has run the ball. So, and now he has the defense to back it up. So I just, obviously he's had productive passing offenses too, and they kind of uh, play off of each other. But I mean, with this, if the one thing that San Francisco has proven this year is that if you throw 45 first round picks and a crap ton of money at a defensive line, that it's going to eventually work. So uh, I just don't know why you, why you would go, go away from that formula right now, but I I think you're right in the future. You know, this defense isn't isn't always going to be that good. And uh, you know, presumably they're going to have better running backs than they have now. Uh, But uh, yeah. There's also just something to be said, Matt, for having the most handsome quarterback in the league on your roster. (laughs) There is something to be said for that. There's a value attached to that. I don't know what it is, but it might be like the difference. Let's say you're trading for like a waiver wire type wide receiver or not waiver wire, but like end of the roster type wide receiver. If they're not handsome, they're like fourth. But if they are handsome, they might be like a third round pick. That might be the difference in value. I think there's two other quarterbacks on the show that we're going to talk about that might give him a run for his money, though, don't you? Uh, man, I, I don't know. I've had this debate once. And the, to me, the second most handsome quarterback in the NFL is Cam Newton. Wait, wait the, 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 the Medea version of Cam Newton with the, no, with no, the bonnet? No. That one? Pretty, pretty Medea Cam Newton, like smooth Cam Newton, is the second most handsome. However, you're right. He has lost his title of second most handsome. And now second most handsome. Yeah, you're probably right. It is the next guy we're going to talk about, or he's at least in the talk for it. So let's go ahead and uh, mention Tom Brady. Tom Brady got another weapon with the addition of Mohamed Sanu, who surprise, surprise is from Rutgers. It's not like Bill Belichick just loves his Rutgers players. Do you guys think that he actually adds anything to Tom Brady's fantasy points for the season? Or is it more of a nice real-life pickup? And even then, I have my own opinions on this. I'm not so sure about getting a second-round pick from Mohamed Sanu. I think he's a good real-life player. But I think the Patriots would have been fine without him, personally. I know they just got Josh Gordon. So let's start with uh, Matt on this. What do you think Sanu does to Tom Brady's fantasy outlook? And also, how do you feel about the trade from a real life perspective? Uh, I, I think this is similar, similar move to the Sanders move, honestly, it, for, for, for both 
sets of uh, both, both players here. Sanu, I think, is kind of like a lateral move. And for Brady, I think it'll be nice to have another reliable target out there. Uh, may, maybe he'll take away from his points, though, and throw a few touchdowns. Uh, Sanu is, is, is known to do that. And it seems like like Belichick might want to use him in one of those trick play kind of scenarios. So uh, <laughs> I guess that's that's possible. I think it's I think it's fine from a real life impact, too. Um in terms just in terms of the football the price i agree with you like it, it, it almost feels like like it, like if the uh, i don't know what other team would do this i'm trying to think of a competitor that might do this competing team i was going to say like if the if the washington redskins or something made this move like everybody would be calling them idiots but that doesn't make sense since they're not competing but another competing team i, I think any other competing team really if they had paid a second first and knew then they would probably be laughed out of the laughed all about, about on twitter maybe they were too uh, about this move but since it's the patriots you know it seems like they have a plan for them it does seem like a high price to pay but i guess logically speaking it's you know and you know, it's it's probably like the what like the the sixty sixty third pick, sixty maybe the sixty fourth pick in, in the in the draft. So uh, when looking at it that from from that perspective, maybe it, it, it tempers it a little bit. But I feel like he probably could have been gotten for a third pretty easily, right? Yeah, that feels right. Also, I think the plan is that the game winning play of the Super Bowl is going to be uh, Mohamed Sanu throwing either a touchdown pass to either or sorry. It's going to be flea flicker to Julian Edelman, who's also a quarterback, who then flea flickers it to Sanu, who then throws it to Tom Brady, yeah. just so Belichick can rub it in everyone's face. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, something something <laughs> like that. Sanu is definitely involved in throwing the ball in some some regard, probably to Brady. Yeah, yeah. that's that's how he affects Brady. Is he's going to vulture some uh, passing touchdowns? But beyond that, I. I I can't I'm waiting until we find out like what exactly were the contingencies in that in that deal that turned that second round pick into a seventh round pick. Somehow like the the Patriots always find those loopholes and somehow turn those picks into like like if if they don't actually let him play then he ends up then ends up being a sixth or seventh round pick somehow. And they just it, sometimes it feels like they just absorb these wide receivers just to get them off of other people's rosters. It's not even so much about using them. Like it, we've seen so many good wide receivers go to new England and just do absolutely nothing and struggle to even get on the field. Sometimes he, he, but they didn't pay a second round pick for any of those guys though. Most of those guys were signed as, you know, like, like Demarius Thomas, you know, signed as free agents. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I'm not really worried about the usage, but I get your point in terms of finding some way to turn the second round. <laughs> like maybe they don't use him until the playoffs. Maybe there's a clause in there that if he plays a regular season game, then if he doesn't play a regular season game, then it drops down of several rounds or something. Maybe it'll be like the Brandon Cook scenario where they like trade a first for Cooks and then like basically just use him to drop pass interference and then trade him a season later for a first and it washes out except that they get the benefit of using him for that year to draw pass interference calls. If if the Bradys are able to turn around and deal Mohamed Sanu again for a second, then I, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's also tough because, I mean, Mohamed Sanu is running close to or over 75% of his snaps from the slot in Atlanta. And, I mean, it feels like they've got the slot pretty well covered with Julian Edelman. Uh, I mean, they can run four wide receiver s- sets, I suppose, but um, I, that isn't something that we typically see the the Patriots do either. And not only that, but uh, Nikhil Harry's going to come back, and I think his best position is probably big slot. So 
Yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they use those guys. They're just trying to imitate the Giants guys. You know, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, <laughs> and Evan Ingram, all in the slot, have worked out so well. <laughs> we all check what really envies the Giants organization. We all know it. <laughs> to, um, be, to be fair, I'd rather have all of those guys except uh, – I'd rather have all those Patriots guys over all the Giants guys except for Evan Ingram. So, yeah. Uh, fair. If, if, if everybody's lined up in the slot, does the slot actually exist, though? well so you run four guys running slants across the middle right and then the defenders just get super confused and then somehow one of them breaks it for like a 70 yard touchdown i think that's how it works yeah 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 just just run kind of a kind of an h back type of thing like you put your tight ends out wide and then all the receivers kind of bunched inside uh, yeah, they they could do some crazy stuff with it's it. It's like, like the new wide receiver screen, just four yeah. guys over the middle running slants. Yeah, yeah. I I don't I don't <laughs> I don't get it to be honest. I mean, all joking aside, I don't understand what they're doing. I think that it it kills Nikhil Harry for this year, and I wasn't expecting much out of Nikhil Harry for 2019, anyways. But now they neither were the Patriots apparently. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think so either but and i think that's part of it they didn't really want to put their trust into a rookie yet even though it was a first round rookie i i just don't think they were ready to go there um and and you know with josh gordon's injuries and and then you know really for their standards just kind of being ineffective um, they uh it, it was they were almost forced into a situation where they had to use Nikhil Harry before they wanted to. So yeah, that's completely fair. And I guess we're basically determining it won't have any kind of fantasy impact on Tom Brady. It sounds like nah. All right. So then we'll move on to, I don't know if handsome is the right word for these two quarterbacks, but there's definitely, (laughs) there's definitely something going on there. So Nick Foles, otherwise known as BDN, I'm not going to say what BDN stands for. I'm not in that kind of mood tonight. We'll see maybe later, but BDN. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and I, is this something I can look up or is this a Bobby special that I have? To this is a say? common thing. <laughs> so I'm going to uh, look it up then. Fine. Grace just walked in and you're really going to make me say this big dick, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard that before, but wow. So, Big Dick Nick is back at practice, and we all know Minshew Mania is taking over in Jacksonville. Do you think that when he comes back, Nick Foles, who I will not continue to refer to as Big Dick Nick for the rest of this episode, gets his job back, or does Gardner Minshew continue to start? And let's start with John on this one. So you said it twice, by the way, um, and counting. Uh, So... I think that Minshew keeps the job when Foles gets back, but I think it's going to be a pretty short leash. Uh, I If I had to bet money on it, I, I would say I think Nick Foles is going to play at some point this year. He's going to start at some point this year, and I, I don't know that he's going to necessarily keep the, the job. Uh, I don't know that he's... It doesn't even necessarily have to be an ineffectiveness from Gardner Minshew. I, I will say, I mean, the, over the last two weeks, Minshew has thrown for 
I mean, he's got a sub 50% completion percentage. So it's not like he's, he's playing great. I mean, you know, that, that kind of that, that swag is, is pulling them to some wins, but I mean, he still looks like a rookie a lot. He loves to tuck the ball and run um, rather than, you know, just rolling out and extending the play. Um, and, and again, he hasn't been particularly accurate. So, you know, that's the type of stuff that, that NFL coaches tend to, you know, it, it, it makes them nervous and it makes them want to see, you know, what all do I have on the bench beyond this guy? So, I mean, long-term, I think it's Gardner Minshew's job. I think that you're probably going to see a quarterback competition in 2020. Ultimately he wins that. Um, but uh, for 2019, I, I do think that you're going to see some starts from Nick Foles. Matt, what do you think? I like the way John John put that, like not committing that he's just going to get the job back right away when he's healthy, but going to play some more games uh, at some point this season. I, I just I'm I'm I think I'm still even more skeptical than that. Uh, Ryan Ryan Rickdale actually thinks that it's because he's now bigger than football, basically that he's like the dude in, in Jacksonville. He's like the guy in Jacksonville. He's kind of transcended football a little bit with the whole do what is it do Duval, whatever that saying is. Shoe ball. Shoe ball, that's right. Uh, all, all that stuff that, that he's just locked in because of that. But like John said, he's got two disappointing games in a row. You know, one touchdown in week six, uh, no touchdowns and interception in week five, uh, just a three and four record. And they're paying foals like $4 billion to, to play football for them. Uh, if they were to move on from Foles this season, he would have a $45 million cap hit. If they move on from him in 2020, they have, he has a 33.875 dead cap hit. So they don't really have an out on his contract until 2021. And that, and that cap, that dead cap hit will still be $12.5 million. So uh, I just, I, I don't know. It, unless they're going to treat this like, Seattle did, and this is even to a lesser extent, right? When they signed Matt Flynn to a ten million dollar contract, and Russell Wilson started, I think it's even 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 a bigger decision uh, monetarily based on the contract that Foles has and the the lack of any draft capital that they spent on on Minshew, really, right? So, I, from an organizational standpoint, I just really don't see it if if um, Minshew continues to kind of play like this mediocre football, like he'll have an up down up game and then a down game. And, and I, I think this team probably even, even getting rid of Jalen Samuels is probably close to a playoff team with decent quarterback play. So if he continues to struggle, I think it's going back to Foles pretty easily. I think the only way he keeps it is if he just, you know, lights the world on fire the next few weeks. Well, I'm going to say two things. One, I'm with Ryan because I, I, even though I look like Gardner Minshew, I also need to put this out there. I am not Gardner Minshew, so I'm not just advocating. Has anybody we, seen Bobby and Nick Foles in this, or, or Gardner Minshew in the same room together? Just That's just what I want to know. It's yeah. come up and no. The answer is no. So, you know, I might be playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. However, if I am Gardner Minshew, that means that since 1950, I'm one of 18 quarterbacks to have at least 1,600 passing yards in my first seven games. That also means on that list, I am six in average yards per attempt, tied for fifth in passing touchdowns, and I have the lowest interception percentage. Interestingly, Nick Foles 2012 is on that list too. So I can see where there'd be some competition, but I don't know. Gardner Minshew has played better than I think he gets credit for. 
Did uh, did Dak any of the is another guy on that list, by the way. Did any of those quarterbacks have another quarterback that was making forty five million dollars guaranteed, eighty eight million dollar contract? I just I just it's it's probably a cop out answer, but I just I don't know how they get away from that. They can't trade him. They're not gonna well, trade be able to trade him with that contract. So to you're just gonna Brian's have a point. They've had nights though where they promote like giving out mustaches to sell tickets. And so yeah, but on the, the one hand, we have to remember they're trying to win games. On the other hand, most franchises, if you really get down to it, just want to make money and they don't care about making a game. I agree with you, but I don't get that impression from Shad Khan, I think is his name, right? He seems like somebody that really wants to win. And the most popular player on a football team is always the backup quarterback, so he can still be popular. He's just going to well, be the backup, just like the sixth man in basketball. They're the most popular guys, but and they can stay in that role and still be popular. And, and you can't have a family friendly promotional night for Nick Foles and his nickname Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I where did that nickname come from? What's the story? But is there a story behind that nickname? Because I honestly don't know anything about this nickname. Somehow that was from the the Super Bowl days in Philadelphia. I'm pretty sure Zach Ertz but, gave him that nickname. That wow. sounds right. Yeah. Wow. Just, just the way he played at the end of that the 2017 season, and and got him, you know, all the way through the playoffs and into the Super Bowl and upset the Patriots, and yeah, was, and maybe because they showered together or at least changed <laughs> yeah, in the but, same locker room, maybe that too. He he might have oh. been being literal. Yeah. That's, oh, sorry. I I attribute it. So I'm reading something right now. I attributed it to uh, Zach Ertz. It actually originally comes from Connor Barwin, and. That's a, as far as I can get in a quick skim, but it's essentially just what John was saying that he, it was how he played and it was, uh, yeah, that was it. They just sent to play this way. You got to be BDM. So now that we've talked about Nick Foles and his huge contract, and I will point this out, John T. Filippo was actually the coordinator during that run when he became BDM. So it's possible that if Nick Foles was healthy, he'd be playing much better than Minshew. So I'm not anti-Foles. I think that no matter what happens with that starting quarterback situation, we as fans are going to be missing out on something. We're going to be missing out on seeing what Nick Foles could do in that offense, or we'll be missing out on the hype that is Gardner Minshew. But something will definitely be lost, at least in my opinion. But we're going to move on from there, and we're going to talk about our animal of the week. And John, I know that you've been listening. So what we've been doing lately is we've been turning it around. And before Matt gives his fun facts, we've been asking our guests to explain why that is their favorite non-domestic animal. And you picked the Okapi, which I apologize if I just butchered how you pronounce that particular animal's name. But why did you pick Okapis? So I like Okapis because they're... So, you know, when you go to the zoo, they're they're kind of those highlight animals you know they're they're kind of the the big attractions and among them are the the zebras and the giraffes well the okapi is kind of a combination of the two and it's so interesting to me that and like i i I just really respect them for the fact that like you know little kids love looking at the at the giraffes they love looking at the zebras but then they get to the okapi and you get a little of both and they're just kind of confused. They're like, wait, what the hell is this? So it, it I, I I just I just really respect their the grind of taking on kind of the, the you know the 
the the best parts of both of those two animals and with absolutely no fanfare no you know no congratulation on being a, a combination of two of our favorite animals so uh in in, in a way it, it kind of reminds me of like Dak Prescott for instance just you know the way you get we love running quarterbacks we love you know quarterbacks who are who are good pocket passers Dak Prescott kind of gives you both and I feel like he's a little underrated despite the fact that he's kind of the best of both worlds so to me that's that's kind of what the Okapi is and I just feel like they're they're very underrated considering their versatility uh, quarterback comparison which we haven't been doing lately but I appreciate (laughs) you going the extra mile there Matt what are some uh, fun facts about Okapi's I think one of the, the coolest things about a copy is that they haven't been we, we haven't known about them for that long, uh, you know, in terms of of how we how long we've known about other animals. We, we didn't really discover them until 1901. Uh, so that's that seems pretty late to dis- discover new 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 land animals anyway. I know I know there's still a million animals in, in the ocean that we haven't found yet. But uh, for land animals, that's pretty late to discover something. Uh, and. It was discovered by Sir Harry Hamilton Johnson, and they, no one believed him at first, so he sent some ho- bits of his ho- their hide to the British Museum. So that was kind of the first step in people actually believing that this weird animal exists. But like John mentioned, they are relatives of uh, – they're actually the only living relative of the giraffe. Uh, they're only two, the two members of the Giraffidae family. Um, they're ruminants. The, their tongues are pretty awesome. They can pick their own nose and clean their own eyes with their tongue, clean their ears with their tongue. Uh, <laughs> almost a two-foot long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I th- any animal that can pick their nose with their tongue, I'm I'm in on. Giraffes can do that too. Uh, See versatility. So, yeah, exactly. And they had just like that's one of the things that if you want to look at it, an animal other than you know the long longish neck, like that's one of the the key characteristics you'll look at in Okapia and, and see that it's kind of related to the giraffe is that long tongue. Uh, they also have ossicones, which are those little horny. Uh, protuberances that they have on their foreheads are not quite horns they're not quite antlers um, but they share those with the giraffe too so they're pretty awesome animals uh very underrated uh like like john said and if you want to donate to the okapis uh to okapi conversation conservation because they are uh pretty pretty endangered they only live in the uh the dis uh the the congo um which is obviously a very difficult place for anyone to get into that or, or anyone that would want to go there. No one really wants to go there because of all the political unrest and everything that happens in that country. So they're a difficult animal to study, but the Okapi Conservation Project, okapiconservation.org is a great uh, organization that does uh, accept donations and does a lot of research with Okapi when they're able to get into the Congo. Yeah, that's awesome. Make sure you check that out if you feel like donating to the Okapi is we're going to transition though to our extinctions of the week. And do either of you have a particularly burning one? I feel like I basically have been talking about mine all night. So I'll let you guys go first. Mine aren't necessarily burning, but uh, they're, they're fairly topical. Uh, Both of these came up on Twitter just in the last week. I actually have two kind of related kind of quick ones here. So um, the first one and a shout out to um, our our uh, collective friend and producer of this show, actually uh, dynasty outhouse who actually tweeted out about this, but this has been something that's been bugging me for years is how we use the suffix gate at the end of every scandal. It, it I I'm so sick. So the original scandal 
was that that started with that was the, you know the Watergate Hotel um and you know Richard Nixon essentially spying on the DNC and but like the the hotel was actually called Watergate like this wasn't a scandal involving water this wasn't somebody like you know putting a kink in a hose and and somebody's grass dying like this was the, the Watergate hotel so and then since then though we've just been adding gate onto everything deflate gate spy gate the latest one was handshake gate and I'm just so sick of putting that like that that suffix is absolutely meaningless. So why do we keep doing it? I I just I cannot wait for the day when there's an actual scandal involving like a gate in a fence and we have to call it gate gate. And it's going to be so awkward that we're just like, all right, we can't do this anymore. I was going to call what you were saying <laughs> gate gate or even maybe the wall gate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the fence, fence gate. What, what, what do you suggest in its place? Uh, let's just call it what, what it is. Whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Just what would you call handshake scandal? Deflate gate. Like, yeah, just, I mean that. I guess that one's kind of okay since that it one rhymes, rhymes but, at least. You got the yeah, yeah, yeah. Deflate but, scandal doesn't sound nearly as good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, Brady's balls. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah let's like let's let's do this like like album titles where you know they each have their own unique like really memorable name that you know that we're not we're not just stealing from the last one we're just giving it its own name um, do you do you think this is a is a product of how there's basically no original programming anymore and it's just uh all sequels and everything yeah yeah that, that could be it and, and it's just kind of easy it's 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 just so lazy that's Speaking of which, Bobby, I forgot to I, I, I talked to John about this before or while you were out uh, for a minute. Spoiler alert: Bobby had some connection issues. Uh, I meant to bring up during the Tom Brady uh, segment that you guys should watch. Uh, there's a show on Netflix, Paul Rudd, called "Living with My with Myself" or "Living I'm with Bobby, Yourself." Yeah. You are mm-hmm. that 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 I don't want to spoil it. I already I already kind of spoiled it a little bit for John because I couldn't keep it in. But watch the at least the first episode because Brady is in it and the scene is pretty hilarious i would say would you agree bobby yeah it's definitely pretty funny even funnier probably was tom brady's reaction to the questions that yes out of that yes scene. that's what i mean yeah like it's <laughs> six times that's all that's, that's, yeah. that's all so just watch the show and it's actually a very interesting show so instead of an extinction of the week that's a i don't know Recom- uh, yeah i don't know recommendation, recommendation of the week but we need an animal theme on there we'll have to work on that so we'll have to work oh, man that. We just we just created Extinction Gate. Damn it! (laughs) 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 And John, did you have another one, or was it all just kind of tied to uh, the gate suffix? Yeah, I've I've got another separate but equal one here. Uh, LOL. We're we're done with that. Let's uh, let's send that one off into extinction because we're we're not using LOL the way that we used to anymore. You're not. Like if somebody says LOL to me on Twitter, I know that they're not actually laughing out loud, at least not in earnest. I, Tom, mean, not, I have not me for you. They were never laughing out loud. <laughs> well, yeah, probably, probably not. But I mean, at least they were, it was, it was, they, it was genuine in that they, they meant to, like they were, they actually were trying to share a laugh with you at one point. Now 
It's disingenuous. It's snarky. If somebody says LOL, it's basically the, the cyber version of them like pointing at your face and calling you a dumbass. And, and we, uh, Shane Manila and I were actually the ones we were talking about that one. And, uh, I'm just, we, we don't use it the way we intended to anymore. So let's just stop doing it. You'll notice And Bobby, you and I talk, I mean, pretty much every day. Um, and you'll notice that I never say LOL because it's true. I feel like at this point, if somebody says LOL, I mean, first of all, I'm a grown man. Like <laughs> that's, it's not, that's not something that an adult male says to another adult male, but I also, it, if I were to say LOL, I would be afraid that you would think that I'm just being sarcastic and snarky. And so I just, I, when I'm legitimately laughing, I just say, ha ha, or, you know, I um, think that also might be your interpretation though, because I do know, and I actually used to be guilty of this. I no longer do it. Cause I too have moved on to the ha ha club, but LOL, some people just use it almost as a way to like punctuate a sentence. It's just like I don't have yeah. anything else to say, so LOL. Yeah, I, exactly. I am I am extremely guilty of this, and I promise if I ever say it to you, it's not <laughs> meant to be snarky. Uh, <laughs> I like to vary what I use as a laugh. So like LOL is kind of like like a snicker now, and I know that's not the original intention of it, but that seems what, what it has been come to me. It's like yeah, that's that's pretty funny, and I smiled at it. You know, I probably didn't actually laugh out loud. And then I'll use the ha 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 or uh, I, I don't we, people used to use he 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 too. I don't really do that. That seems, seems a little bit weird. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was but, like a giggle that uh, yeah. so I, I take it back. LOL can be an adult theme. <laughs> he but he definitely is not. He he is not really acceptable anymore. He see he he is kind of like a little bit snarkier or, mis- or mischievous to me because it's like he 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 like like, <laughs> the, like an evil villain laugh or something. But I was going to say so LOL is kind of like the snicker like the smile and then I'll bust out like occasionally when I'm actually like like really really laughing I'll bust out the raffle, you know, the rolling on floor laughing, which oh, doesn't nice. get nearly as much play anymore as it used to. That's old school, uh, yeah. Or raffle mao, you know, then you add the the my ass off on it, rolling on the floor laughing <laughs> my ass off. So, occasionally wow. I'll bust out those if I'm actually like, you know, actually really laughing out loud. John, See, I'm, uh, similar to one that my dad had. So my dad years ago told me that LOL is not a real thing and that he tried to get it to go around his office that they should use Smap, which he took to mean smirked appreciatively. He's like, no one laughs out loud. They just kind of smirk and look at their phone and move on. So <laughs> you and my dad agree on this subject. Nice. Nice. Yeah. If I ever get an R-O-F-L-M-A-O, like, I mean, I'll just, I'll quit Twitter right there. Like that's kind of the apex. That's as good as it gets. So I'm going to, I'm going to start combing your timeline more frequently. (laughs) I I need to get you one of those, not to make you retire, but just just because. Yeah, definitely. That, that would, I might not quit. I, I couldn't quit, but it would be the ultimate ego boost. I would definitely take that. So I'm, I'm good with, LMAO, I'm good with ROFL. If you can put the two together, absolutely. I'll gladly take that. I'm good with the emojis too. Like that one feels a lot better. Like when you get the emoji where they're like crying, laughing, especially when they do the kind of the progression from like smiling to laughing to just like laughing so hard that they're crying. The head even kind of turns sideways. Like you know that you said something you know pretty top shelf when you when you get that kind of that that whole progression of emojis but 
I will but, say I never used to be an emoji guy. However, I realized that haha almost became a crutch for me too. So now if I really want to make it clear that I find something particularly funny, I do use the crying laughing at the end of something or to like send it back to somebody. Yeah, you, see, you give that to me and it, feel, it, it feels great every time I see you, just a little emoji and it's so much easier. But see, you say, you, you know, LOL is not something a grown man says to another person, <laughs> but a grown man also doesn't use emojis. And that crying, <laughs> laughing face is also ex- used extremely snarkily many, a lot of times. Like really? somebody makes a comment and then somebody replies to it like, really, uh, are you serious? Crying, laughing. So I don't know if I'm buying this one. <laughs> you might be crying, laughing sincerely. I'm just putting that out there. But I like the GIF reply better. Yeah, give an emoji because at least you're yeah. putting some thought into it. You're looking for the one that fits the situation. You're actually invested in it. Uh, t- tapping on the the crying face emoji seven times in a tweet. I don't, I don't know. There, there you go. If you can't spare an R O F L A M A O, then yeah, just send a gif like a man. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you guys. Although Google uh, Gboard made that much easier. In terms of finding gifts, that definitely upped my gift game. Matt, do you have uh, anything you want to get off your chest equal to John's LOL? Apparently, that was a very popular topic. Uh, I, I I thought of one that I wasn't excited about, so I might save it for later. The one the one I want to put out one that I actually feel bad about uh, because on this show. In the past, I'm, p- I'm pretty sure we've recommended donating money to Wild Wildlife Federation, and I have certainly donated money to Wildlife Wildlife Federation, and or and, and I'm sure you have too, Bobby. At some point, when you adopted a polar bear, I believe. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you guys know this, uh, and it's kind of a low key news story. But they've been doing some pretty terrible things lately. There yep. uh, a lot of stuff out there right now. How their anti poaching crew is going around and murdering and raping local indigenous villagers and things like that. So. Uh, my extinction this week is to stop donating money to World Wildlife uh, Fund and uh, donate money to more uh, more organizations that are actually on the ground doing things and not paying people to do terrible things to other people. So WWF, get out of here. Yeah, I'm with you. I was actually a pretty big supporter of WWF and saw that news break earlier this year and felt horrible that I'd been supporting them so much. Well... I guess I have to follow that up now with something on a much more personal and not nearly as word worldly note. So my extinction of the week, and this is very specific. A lot of people probably don't remember this feeling because I think most of our listeners are no longer students or probably not in grad school. But my extinction of the week is having exams that don't reflect the material that you've been taught or that you were told to review for the exam. I just took, as you may have heard earlier, what I thought to be an incredibly difficult midterm. I spent the past four days, I'm not saying consecutive, I definitely took breaks, but I spent the past four days studying for this exam. And I totally blinked on one of the questions. Now, I do have some breaking news. I got an email just now while we were on this podcast. And the professor emailed us, he graded all of our midterms already. Do you guys want to guess what the class average was on this exam i mean based on your extinction i would guess that the average is going to be pretty low 54 percent. so it is a 15 out of 22 points which comes to a 68 everyone just barely passed on average i had a i had a class in college 
it was a uh, it was kind of basically the the calculus class that caused me to stop being a chemical engineer major um uh, uh it was like the second or maybe third year of calculus something like that uh and my my professor was a fields medal winner which if you don't know is like the basically the nobel prize equivalent in, in math because there's not a nobel prize in math uh but he was a terrible teacher and the way he scored his tests you actually got a negative quarter point for every answer that you got wrong so like even like guessing was worse than if you didn't know the actual answer and i scored a negative score on a test in that class and that was it for me I actually have a feeling I still did worse than the average, but I at least kind of, I'm not going to lie. I'm a terrible person. Misery loves company. So seeing that the class average was so awful, at least makes me feel a little better. <laughs> and with that, I think we're going to wrap up. Uh, I really appreciate John joining us tonight. I am actually flying out, as I mentioned earlier, to Colorado tomorrow morning. I'm hoping that there might be some window where I can meet up with John. I may not be able to. If anyone wants me to give him a hard time about anything in particular, just tweet at me. And if I meet up with him, I'll make sure to mention it and we'll argue about it. And <laughs> I always appreciate the opportunity to get to talk with Matt. John, I'm going to just tell the uh, people where they can find you. And then if you have anything else you'd like to say, feel free. But just as a reminder, John is at Superflex Dude on Twitter. You can find him on the Superflex Show, which is at Superflex Show. Correct me if I'm wrong there. For some reason, my brain did not like how that sounded. And then, uh, no, it is at Superflex Show. Yep. He's a writer at DL Football because we don't do have two Fs. I always thought that was a little weird about our handle, but it's just DL Football. And you can also find him on the FF Mercs, which is a service that helps you run your fantasy team john do you have anything else you want to say uh yeah so the ff mercs we do a live show every sunday morning uh, just uh previewing the games um that's kind of the the big thing that we're doing in season um and uh i've been on most of those um uh, and uh going forward I'll, I'll probably be on almost all of them so definitely check that out and then yeah bobby once you get here between the altitude uh, the bong vapors in the air. And, uh, and then, like I said, in uh, one of our chats, we also recently legalized psilocybin. So, so I think you're going to be a little bit more on board uh, with, uh, with a lot of my fantasy football takes um, just, just from once the contact high sets in um, plus the, you know, the, the lightheadedness from the altitude. You heard it here first. You have to be contact high to with John. <laughs> Matt, do you have any last thing you'd like to say for this week? No, I also I just also want to mention that John runs the Superflex ADP mocks for for DLF, and if yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, John, sometimes you have trouble filling those, so you should you should join and and listen to John and, and join when he puts them out there, so we can build good Superflex ADP. Yeah, those those are fun, and I and I uh, end up teaming up with Ryan McDowell, so uh, we build a team together. So actually, you can draft against the the combo of of super flex dude and and the godfather himself so um you know it's it's a it's a great way to uh to you know hone your strategy uh your startup strategy in season and and kind of see the way the uh you know the player values kind of shift through uh throughout the season so uh, to me it's a really useful exercise it's a lot of fun plus it helps us uh, create the adp that 
um, that we use on uh, dynastyleaguefootball.com. So, yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that one because that's a, it, it does get tough in season. Yeah, so make sure you check that out and sign up if you see John tweeting it out. Until next time, this has been the Zuperflex show. You can find us, as always, at Zuperflex on Twitter. And you can find us everywhere that podcasts run. Until next time, keep it classy fantasy Twitter and take it easy.